Father, today I'm asking you to speak a word to us. And as I often pray that, we'll, that it will happen this way, use your word to transform our thoughts, our thinking, the space between our ears, as it were, that in the past life of sin has been programmed with so much it's unproductive. Change our thinking by tearing down strongholds of thought and replacing them with the truth of your word because your word has creative authority. And I ask you to speak through your word to us today that your will can be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So this dimension is for those who want a breakthrough. Just to know if I'm in the right place with this or do I need to go next door to preach this? Is there anybody that wants a breakthrough in this place? Now, I don't know what that breakthrough may look like to you. Maybe a breakthrough in your marriage, relationship, your finances, ministry. It may be a breakthrough in terms of your health, but you're asking God for a breakthrough. I'm going to address this today. First of all, I want to point out why breakthroughs are vital and necessary. All of us in facing this Pharaoh that was keeping Israel in bondage need to understand that Pharaoh's assignment is to make sure that you never get elevated. He stands in your way. There are different dimensions in every aspect of life. And if you don't know this, you can be content to live like Israel was living as a slave. If you know there's something better, it keeps something within your heart and spirit reaching for more. Are there different dimensions? Yeah, I don't think anyone in this room would argue that there are not. Look at Warren Buffett's, Bill Gates, and Carlos Slim from Mexico, the wealthiest man in the world now. These three guys, they are at a different dimension from such poor people as Donald Trump. <laughs> you don't even mention the Donald's name in the same sentence that you mention these guys in. They're at a different level altogether. If athletics is your thing, I think you'll quickly agree with me that LeBron James is at a different level of talent than most other players in the NBA. If you like aeronautics, an aeronautical engineer at NASA, the space program who designs missiles and satellites or even the space shuttle is at a far different level of expertise and ability than, say, the Wright brothers were in the year 1903 when they launched man's first powered flight. I mean, that, they're, they're so far apart. They're worlds apart. They're not even on the same planet in terms of experience and ability. Talk about different dimensions. Different dimensions exist in every realm of life. Look at medicine. Tell me medicine is not at a different place today than it was in 1952 when Jonas Salk invented the first polio vaccine. Where's Brother Henry's son? Pastor Donnie came by and told me he's here today, somewhere in the building, sick with cancer. I, can't, I haven't found him. Where's he at? Amen. Right, right over here. Strong and healthy today. To God be the glory. Amen. To God be the glory. Pastor Donnie told me that he said when he, would, when he saw him today, almost didn't recognize him because he'd, all he had ever, you know, remembered of him was just seeing him in a hospital bed, but big and strong today and full of life. 
medicine and healing are at a different place today than they used to be. I preached about healing last weekend and thank God for that. And I know that Brother Henry and the whole family are rejoicing over what is happening there. Look at media and entertainment. Hey guys, I've been going to movies for a while, except during that period of time when I got saved. <laughs> Amen. And the church said I couldn't. Then I woke up and realized there wasn't anything wrong with it as long as you <laughs> were careful about the content. So don't tell anybody, but between me and God, I do go to a movie every now and then. And the ones I used to see are nowhere near like these that you see with computer-generated special effects like Transformers starring Shia LaBeouf or how about Tom Cruise in some of the Mission Impossible movies. Stuff back in the day doesn't even come close to what it's like now. And even before I started, there were years and years ago at the dawn of, of, of entertainment history, as it were, you had guys like Buster Keaton and, and you know, Charlie Chapman, and those were the silent movie days. Look how far we've come. In every level of life, I want to emphasize again, there are different, or every dimension, sphere of life, I should say, arena of life, there are different dimensions, different levels. And that's true even in such things as giving. And um, I'm talking about not in the church now, but in terms of giving, in terms of what you do in your community, there are different levels. Different levels within skill sets, different levels of skills and different levels of giftings. And there's even different levels of mastery and productivity. Everybody know, uh, every single one of us knows someone in our chosen career that is at the top of their game. And we say to ourselves, we'd like to do that too. Um, we, one of the members of our congregation is a world-renowned concert pianist. And there are many of us possibly that tinker on the keyboard every now and then. But trust me, that's a different level. What am I trying to say today is that God has always been in the, the, the process and, and the business of elevating people and helping them get to another level. That is his ultimate will for your life. In our text, Moses is sent to elevate Israel out of Egyptian bondage and slavery and lead them into the promised land, which is to be their inheritance. When you look at the scripture, you really need to step, as it were, a pace or two back and look at it from the perspective of, of an overarching view of the persons or the, the principles that the word of God is talking about. When you talk about Israel, you, you can't do that without going back to Abraham. He was the father of the nation. And if you go as far back as Abraham, you will remember and quickly realize that Israel's elevation as a nation actually began with him. Abram was a nobody. That was his name back then, Abram. A nobody working in his father's craft shop where they made idols in Ur of the Chaldees when he had an encounter with God. And in Genesis 12, God said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you. Make your name great. Out of you will come a nation that will bless the nations of the world. And their elevation literally started right then. Abraham broke through to a level that other people in his day never did break through to. And because of that, he caused his descendants to break through to another level. And the breakthrough that you have is going to be passed on to your kids. 
And you need to know this, that you're going to make something happen in your family that's going to turn things around for not just you, but for them as well. Now God wanted to elevate Israel to an even higher place than Abraham had been elevated to. And who hasn't heard of Abraham? Amen. For he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, now God wants to elevate Israel to an even higher place than their ancestral forebearer, Abraham himself. They want, God wants them to now inherit as their homeland, their promised land, the land that Abram had only been living in as a stranger. He not only wanted to bring them out of Egyptian slavery, but he wanted them to now move into this and give them that land. Even that was not the final dimension to which God intended to elevate Israel. Ultimately, it was his intention that while they were in the promised land, he would lead Israel to discover that there existed yet another dimension above having your promised land. And that was to know the giver of the promised land and to have an encounter with him and for him to be your inheritance, not just the land he brought you to. Amen. He wanted to show them that he, the Lord God Jehovah, could be their inheritance. The God of glory wanted to be in a personal relationship with Israel and to be their treasure beyond value. So Abraham, who starts out as a nobody, gets elevated. His descendants are promised someday you're going to inherit the land. They pass through Egyptian slavery for a period of time. And now, now God sends Moses to elevate them out of slavery and give them the land that Abraham had only basically rented in, as it were. And then beyond that, God's already planning on being the treasure for the nation of Israel, their personal treasure. This is why whenever Israel moved into the promised land, there were 12 tribes. One of the tribes, God said, you can't even have a possession here. That was the tribe of Levi, the priest. God said, the reason you can't have a possession here is because I'm going to be your treasure. I'm going to, I want you to model for Israel what I'm going to give them in their future. I'm going to be your treasure just like I'm going to someday be Israel's special treasure. And though Israel as a nation, as 12 complete tribes, never did move into that, and that still remains as a promise according to the writer in Hebrews 4. David did move into that. And what's strange about this is David was not even a Levite. He was of the tribe of Judah. But he came to understand through revelation because he was a worshiper that there's a greater treasure than just having property and lands and money. And the reason that he came to understand this is in worship he had an encounter with God. And this is what he said in Psalm 16, 5 and 6. O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a good inheritance. David made God his treasure. Not only did David discover there were more dimensions that God still had ahead for Israel, Elisha did too. He took one look at that rough prophet called Elijah, and he said, when you leave, I want something from you. And Elijah said, what is it? He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. There's a dimension beyond this. You see, he came to understand that everything in the kingdom of God is set up on the basis of dimensions. And trust me when I tell you, there are definite advantages 
to being at the dimension above the one you're at right now. Oh, come on, somebody in the building say amen. Ask me if Warren Buffett doesn't like it better being where he's at right now than where he used to be. Uh-huh. And Donald Trump even likes it better where he's at. What am I trying to say to you? That there are benefits if you can get elevated and have a breakthrough to the next level. This is a joke, okay? So don't take me serious. Joke. This is not correct theology. It's a joke. A sales rep, an administrative clerk, and a manager are walking to one, lunch one day when they find an antique oil lamp. They rub it, and a genie comes out in a puff of smoke. Poof. And the genie says, look, I usually only grant three wishes, but since there are three of you, I'll divide the wishes, and you can each have one. And the first uh, person to speak up was the administrative clerk. She begins to say, me, me, I want, me, me first. I want to go first. And the genie says, all right, what can I do for you? She said, I want to be in the Bahamas on a speedboat without a care in the world. Poof, she's going to the Bahamas. In astonishment, the sales representative says, me next, me next. I want to be next. And the genie says, okay, what can I do for you? He said, I want to be in, the, in Hawaii, relaxing on a beach, getting a rub down from my personal masseuse and an endless supply of pina coladas and the love of my life sitting by my side. And poof, he was gone. And the genie turns to the third that's the manager, the boss of the other two, and says, okay, you're up. And the manager says, I want those two back for lunch. Amen. The moral is, of the story is this. Whoever's at the top gets to make the decisions. You hear what I'm saying? It's a lot better being up here. For the same reason, when Warren Buffett speaks about investments, trust me when I tell you people listen to him more than they will the average bank clerk that, weren't, that no matter how good they are, that works at one of our banks here locally. And for the same reason, when God elevates his children, it ultimately serves to benefit his kingdom. How? Whenever you're elevated, it makes him look good. Amen. It makes the message of his kingdom have a far greater impact than if we, his children, are just living at the same level everybody else is living at, struggling to get by, or worse, at an even lower level. So trust me when I tell you that in the kingdom there is always another level. Tell somebody there's another level. Would you do that? Now turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, I'm breaking through to that level. How about you? Amen. Just as there were different levels that I've mentioned and there are still more to be found in medical research or in graphics technology and the entertainment industry. And just like there was in the Old Testament with Moses, David, Elisha, and others, there are other levels in the kingdom of God for us to discover. I want to say a word to people today. For the next few minutes, my message is to the individual who doesn't want to live another day where they're at right now. I'm talking to somebody that wants to do in your life what Apple has done in computer technology. I'm talking to somebody that wants to see happen in your life what's happening in Samsung right now with smartphones. They have gone from one breakthrough to another to another. Is there anybody in this house that would like to start going from one breakthrough to another, to another, to another? According to John chapter 14, verse 2, that's possible. It reads like this, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
We make the tragic mistake of believing the Father's house is heaven. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that. Does it even hint that? To the contrary, the scripture teaches the Father's house is the kingdom of God. It's coming into the, the kingdom of God. That's the Father's house. What Jesus is saying is in the kingdom, there are many rooms. The Greek word translated rooms there, we see in the King James Version, it says mansion. In the NIV, it's a closer translation. It says rooms. It literally means places you can stay. Let me paraphrase it. In the Father's house or the kingdom are different dimensions or places you can stay. You can come in and get saved, and that's as far as you can go if that's all you want to do. You can park and you can tread water till Jesus comes. But there's some people that want to go deeper than just getting saved. There's some that want to go further than just getting their name written down in glory and waiting for pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. Amen. I'm talking to somebody that wants a new level of anointing. I'm talking to somebody that says, I've been in this room long enough. Let me move and break through into another room where there's greater finances. Let me have a breakthrough into greater relationships. Let my marriage be stronger. Amen. You say, does it really mean that you can have breakthroughs like this? Yes. Look at Romans 1 and 17. The Bible talks about different dimensions of faith. We go from faith to faith. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. There are different dimensions of glory. We go from glory to glory. A person can also, as I've said, progress to different levels of anointing. Look at David. He was anointed three different times. And on each occasion, he was elevated to a different place because of that anointing. You can also progress to different levels of anointing. Jesus spoke of different levels of productivity, didn't he? When he said there's some that bring forth 30, some 60, some 100 fold. There are different places to stay in the kingdom. You can come in out of the cold and you can be saved, but you can spend the rest of your life at 30%. But if that doesn't appeal to you, what I've come to tell you is there is a breakthrough to 60. And there is available a breakthrough to 100. You don't have to stay where you're at. Each new level opens up a world of new possibilities and potential and fulfillment for you. And not only that, I also believe it brings infinite and greater pleasure to our Father. Why? You say, what does God, you know, have to do with me being elevated? Why does he care? I'll tell you why. In the same way that you are pleased when your children grow and then excel as they achieve greater things, our Heavenly Father feels joy when he sees us break through to greater levels of achievement. Do we really think God delights less in us than we do our own children? When he is infinitely more capable of love than we will ever be. No, what I've come to tell you is that whenever you are elevated, as I said a while ago, he looks good. You know why? Because people look at you and say, wow, look what God did for them. Ephesians 2 and 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And just like a product a masterpiece speaks well of the person who designed it and built it. Whenever your life does well, it speaks well on God's behalf. People around you that haven't reached your level start looking at you and say, I wonder how they did that. And somehow or another, the attention gets drawn to God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay at the same level the rest of my life. 
I don't want my relationships to stay at the same level. And hear me when I tell you, I don't want my anointing to stay at the same level. I'm going to say something else. Are you with me right now? When I say, I don't even want my finances to stay at the same level. Here's what you must understand. Because the kingdom of darkness is hierarchical and there are all of these levels in the kingdom of God, just as Moses had to go down and face Pharaoh before Israel could be elevated to the next level, you're going to have to face Pharaoh too. At every level there is a Pharaoh. There are actually three things Israel went through to get to the promised land. First, Pharaoh. Secondly, the wilderness. And thirdly, is when they entered their promise. First, you encounter Pharaoh. Once you deal with that old boy, then you're going to be in the wilderness where you don't know which way to go anymore. And you're going to have to make some things clear. Pharaoh is who wants to keep you locked at the level you're at. So let me define this for you. Pharaoh could be the job that you're working at right now and you, you, you expect to stay there the rest of your life without any other potential or opportunity opening up because times are hard. Pharaoh's the guy that's making you think there's nothing better out there. Oh, come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Pharaoh's the guy that's telling you your marriage can't be improved. That the rest of your life you're gonna just have to hate each other. Hello, somebody? Is that a little bit too candid? Can I back up? And Pharaoh's the guy that tells you you're going to have to live with a sickness. You'll never get over it. Nothing medical science can do. That's Pharaoh. Once you get him out of the way, you come to the wilderness. You know what the wilderness is? It's where you don't know what to do next. After you finish shouting... And you finish rejoicing, having come through the Red Sea. Now you need direction. What do I do next? And for you to get direction, you know what has to happen? You have to redefine who you are. And secondly, you have to redefine who God is to you. Under Pharaoh, you were a slave. When Pharaoh's moved out of the way, you can't think like a slave anymore. Under Pharaoh, God was the one they cried out to for deliverance. Once you get out, of, out from under Pharaoh, though, once you get free from drug addiction, once God fixes your marriage, you can't look at him the next level and the, in the next place the way you used to look at him. He can't just be the God that I was crying out to to save me from my addiction. No, now he's got to be the God that puts your life together and gets you on the right track and... Can somebody in the building say amen? amen? Tell somebody, I want to break through to another level. Not only do individuals have to go through this process of, of breaking free from Pharaoh and then wandering through the wilderness until they figure out who they are and who God is to them before they can enter thirdly their promised land. Not only do individuals have to do that, even nations do. This nation did. Every nation that's ever broken away to gain independence from any Pharaoh of colonialism has had to go through the same process. When the United States broke away from the Pharaoh of British rule, we found ourselves in the wilderness next, and we had to define who we were. 
We had to define who God was to us. Do you know that though we won the War of Independence in 1783, we didn't really define who we were until the Civil War ended in 1865? Only then did we really define who we were. We stopped thinking like slaves. And we had to redefine who God was. We have gone through several different breakthroughs since then. Ask anybody that's old enough, and I'm not old enough, but ask anybody that is to remember what happened after World War I and II. <laughs> I may look it, but I'm not. We had to break through to another level. America's greatest days may have been the days of JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. During that same period of time, and I am old enough to remember this, revival broke out. And it transcended denominational boundaries and borders. We talk about people being spirit-filled today. That takes place in every church and every denomination, not just in, in so-called spirit-filled churches, but churches used to actively fight against each other because they didn't believe in all of this. But something happened during that same period of time, the 60s and early 70s. And a revival broke out and it swept the world. And I mean from the Catholic church to the Protestant church and all stripes in between, people were receiving the Holy Spirit. I actually met a pastor from another denomination who was raised and who went to to university and seminary and was taught against the infilling of the Holy Spirit and were I to call his denominational, uh, his denominational affiliation, you would know it. Amen. You've heard of it. You know people who attend it and many of them are now spirit-filled. But this man was adamantly opposed to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and all that was going on with that, you know, and oh, very, that was, that was way off limits, son. Don't have anything to do with those people and and. He, he began to feel real strange. Back in those days, everybody had a Sunday night service. And the man would leave his Sunday night service and go home, and he just had this strange sensation, this feeling, intuition. I need to go back to church. And this persisted for weeks. And finally, one night after he went home, went home he got in his car and went back to church. Now, mind you, pastors are among the last to leave. So he had been leaving church after all of his parishioners had already left. And going home with this nagging feeling, you need to go back. One night he did. When he came to the church service later that evening, or to, back to the church after the service had ended later that evening, the parking lot was full. He went inside. He was flabbergasted. He went in. There were people all over the place praying, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized. And this guy looked at that and he said, what's going on? And the parishioners said, well, we didn't know what to say. His deacon said, we didn't really know how to tell you because you preached against this so much, but and we're part of a denomination that doesn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of God's Spirit on, upon mankind. But it started happening to some of us, and we didn't want to be rebellious. So we would come and have church on Sunday night and everybody leave until you went home. And then we would come back. And that's when we'd have our service. I'm serious. I'm not making it up. It was in Augusta, Georgia. The pastor told me. He said, it shook me up so bad I started praying. That's bad when you get so shook up you have to pray. 
and the pastor received the Holy Spirit. That same denomination now have had a number of the presidents of that denomination, one of whom lives in this city and pastors one of the largest churches here that now have received the very thing they used to say was not even possible. All of that started during the 60s and 70s. America began to have a breakthrough to another level. And then something happened after God impacted Christendom around the world. And America was poised to yet take another leap. In the late 80s and 90s, we stubbed our toe. Something happened in this nation. And all of a sudden, we got more concerned about political correctness. And we became more concerned about, you know, we don't know if our, it's proper to pray in front of kids in school that might not be Christian. And, and all of that garbage crept in. And have you noticed that in direct proportion to the amount of that kind of stuff that has infected our nation to that same degree, America has begun to experience demotion. Because if you don't deal with Pharaoh, Pharaoh will deal with you. And you have to redefine at the next level who God is. He can't just be your deliverer. And this is why if you come to God and your marriage is broken, he fixes it. You now can't live for God the rest of your life saying, oh, thank you for fixing my marriage. You got to thank him, but you now got to go on and build something else with your life. And you can't live at that level anymore. He's got to be more to you than just somebody that delivered you from drugs or Fix your marriage. He's got to be the God that is the Lord of your life. Amen. And since I travel in many parts of the world that have only recently, within the last 50 years or so, are a little overbroken away from colonial ties, I've watched this happen in other nations as well. That if they don't redefine who they are, and redefine who God is and find direction for their nation and find their purpose, they end up just becoming victims to another Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of graft and corruption, greed. Do you know that all over the world, whether it's in Eastern Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, there are nations that have never redefined who God is to them and who they are, and because of that, they traded one Pharaoh for another. And the reason I'm preaching about breakthroughs today is because you don't want to trade one Pharaoh for another. When you break through, baby, you want to break through. Oh, come on. I need to hear something from somebody. Years ago, we used to sing a song that went like this. Tell me, how did you feel when you came out of the wilderness? I want to ask you, can you still remember how you felt when God set you free? There's another level even above that. God wants to do something in your life. And so to successfully climb to another level, you have to change the way you think. You have to change your image of self, and you have to change how you relate to God. What does that mean? It means that if you're serious about a breakthrough, know this up front, that you can't live a more loose life at the next level than the one you're living right now. What does that mean? It means you've got to be more committed at the next level than you are at the one you're at. And this is why so many people's lives implode. 
I've known some folk that were better Christians before they were blessed than after they were blessed. Oh, I'm, I'm really preaching right now. And a holy hush descended in the... But do you really want to go through all of that? No. Because if you live at the next level the way you're living at the one you are at right now, even if God does promote you, it won't be but a short while until you're right back where you are today. Oh, come on. You know what I'm saying is the truth. Uh-huh. That's why if you can Oh, Lord, do I, I don't even want <laughs> Lord, if you'll bless me and let me win the lottery, I promise you I'm going to pay my tithes and support missionaries. Liar, liar, pants on fire. If you can't handle what you got right now, how can you live at the next level? You'll be like every other person that's won the lottery that didn't get something changed up here. Two years, you're going to be right back where you, you, you are right now. By the time you loan this to your brother-in-law and that to your sister-in-law and the cousin you never met and the daddy that left when you were two months old. and You know what I'm talking about. There won't be anything left for you anymore. You got to change how you see yourself. And this is why when Saul was elevated, he ended up being demoted again because Saul never changed how he saw himself or how he saw God. David, on the other hand, every time God elevated him, God, David changed the way he saw himself and he changed the way he saw God. Amen. David redefined who he was and redefined who God was to him. He grew from a boy that defended his flock from lions and bears to a warrior who defended God's flock from giants. But even that wasn't all. He successfully transitioned from being a shepherd of sheep to becoming in the wilderness a shepherd of wayward men. Then he went from being a shepherd of wayward men to the shepherd of the nation of Judah. And then from being the shepherd of the nation of Judah to the shepherd of the reunited 12 tribes, an empire. You've got to change how you see yourself. You need to look at the mirror when you get up in the morning and say, you're not going to end the same way thinking the way you're thinking right now. When before you walk out of your house, you need to say something and your life is changing. You, you say, do you talk to yourself? You better know I talk to myself. Amen. And regardless of what you heard, there's not even anything wrong with answering yourself. It's when you say, huh, to the answer that you've got a problem, amen. You need to talk to yourself. You need to change the way you think. You need to look at God differently. He needs to be more to you than tomorrow than he is today. Amen. I'm closing, but when you come to a new level, the very first guy you encounter as you peer over the top of the ladder, you're looking for a new level of splendor and wonder and happiness. Surprise, surprise, it's Pharaoh that says, hi, how you doing? Because Pharaoh's waiting for you. You defeated the Pharaoh at the last level. Here you are, you've prayed and you fasted and said, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need a breakthrough. And God hears you and gives you a breakthrough. You climb the ladder and first thing out of the box, is Pharaoh, another Pharaoh. And you go back to God and say, wait a minute, God, I thought I asked for a, a breakthrough. He said, I just gave you one. You say, well, why did I meet Pharaoh? It's because at the new level, you're going to need a fresh application of the blood. Mm, mm, mm. Come on, somebody help me right now. 
You can't live with less blood, you need more blood. You can't be less committed, you've gotta be more committed. You want God's favor on your life? Do you know what they used to call, tell people when they would bless them years ago? The old English word for bless, which we spell today, B-L-E-S-S, the old English word, look it up in your dictionary, pull up the word bless and look up its origin. Its root word is B-L-O-D. Instead of saying bless you, they said I blood you. Because the more blood you get on you, the more blessed you are. Amen. And then that's the only thing that can put Pharaoh in his place. He's not scared of anything but blood. But I want to tell you that uh, the blood, oh, I've said this before, but I like it anyway. The blood is to the devil what kryptonite is to Superman. He don't want to be anywhere near it. Amen. And then you find yourself in the wilderness. When you defeat Pharaoh, the next place you're going to come to is the wilderness. Why? Because you've never passed this way before. And in the wilderness, you're going to discover you need God more now than you ever have at any time in your life. If you know what to do, you don't need God. Help me out now. You know which way to go. You know what to do. You know how to fix things. You can tell God, just, just chill, God. I'll, I'll call you when I really need you. But when you're at a new level where you're in a wilderness you've never been to before and everything looks different and you need a miracle just to survive, huh? Anybody in this house been there? I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Amen. That's whenever you need to know God. And do you know what it takes to get you from Egyptian bondage? Blood. But you know what it takes you to get you, to get you through the wilderness? The anointing. Mm, somebody in the building say Amen. You know what brings you under the blood? Submission. You know what brings you under the anointing? Faith. I'm preaching right now. Somebody help me out. But somebody turn to your neighbor and say, but there's a third level. Would you do that? That's my promised land. That's where I'm going. Oh, amen. How do you get into the promised land? Unlike any place Israel had ever been in the promised land, they could only rely on one thing, and that was the glory of God. God said, you don't open your mouth, don't say a word. I'm going to fight this battle for you. You just march around the city and watch what I can do. When God's glory shows up, walls begin to fall. Miracles begin to happen. Doors begin to open. You see, you go from the blood to the anointing to the glory. Don't stop in the middle of the process. Hallelujah. And I'm closing with this. I'm closing, but I want to say to those who have reached their promised land, first of all, congratulations. Hallelujah. High five somebody and say, hope you like the view. Would you do that? Ask somebody, are you having fun yet? Amen. I hope you're enjoying the wells you never dug. I hope you're enjoying the, the wine from the vineyard you never had to plant. I hope you enjoy the house you didn't have to build. But can I let you in on a little secret? After you've been there a while, you're gonna wake up one morning and you're gonna say, you know what? This isn't the same as it used to be. You know why? Because God's calling you to another level. And I'm telling you, you don't have to stay where you are. I'm talking today to tell you, you can have authority to tell Pharaoh I'm moving to the next level. Stand with me if you would, please. Amen.
tell Pharaoh, let me go. You're going to have to let me go. God's hand is on my life. I'm not staying here. Amen. Just remember what I'm telling you. You cannot live at the next level the same way you live at the one you're at right now. I consider our president, for example. Amen. That, that's a, that's a, a, actually a very good analogy. You can't live as the president the same way you did as a senator. And you can't live as a senator the same way you did as a college student. And you can't live as a college student the same way you did as a teenage boy. Every level you come to, there has to be a new dependency on God. There has to be a change in the way you view life.